you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, this is your host, Susan Rosen. Today, I thought that I would talk about something that I just read in a one of my newsletters. You know, that's where I get a lot of my information. And this one seems to me to be very apropos of the current situation. Now, everyone who's listening, I have no doubt, knows that we're all under a lot of stress and a lot of tense moments and so many things to think about and for a lot of us so much time on our hands because we can't go out and about like we usually do. So there is an article that I saw. It attracted my attention because of the title of it. It's in Massachusetts General Hospital's newsletter called Mind, Mood, and Memory. And it is for maintaining mental fitness from middle age and beyond. Back to the article. So the name of it is Spring Cleaning Your Mind. Clear away the clutter to improve memory and outlook. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like something that I would like to learn. It's a very interesting article. They have a couple of people that they've talked to in it, one of whom is from Massachusetts General Hospital, a psychologist by the name of Rachel Ishikawa, who has a PhD. The things that she primarily was talking about are that we, as human beings, spend so much time worrying about things that are out of our control. And we know they're out of our control. And that's probably one of the reasons that we worry about them. But the point of this is that if you spend too much time worrying about them and you know that they're out of your control, you end up using up a lot of space in your brain with worry and with thinking about all of these different things that you are thinking about. And you're not making any of them, you're not using anything that you're coming out with. You're not being productive in actually figuring any of these things out and or letting them go. She or they in in this article, they compare it to clearing out the clutter in your house. 
And when you do that, you usually lower the stress that you're feeling. It also makes you feel more positively towards your house, your home. And you don't get so distracted by all of this unimportant, unavoidable stuff that you have around you otherwise. For a lot of people, then, they can breathe easier. And in this metaphor, you can think a little easier as well. And that made a lot of sense to me. Although I have to say that my house is not too cleared up. It's pretty cluttered. But um, I, I can understand the metaphor. So... Interestingly, she goes on, she's, this Rachel Ishikawa talks about how when we worry, this is a quote, it can feel like a productive action, like we're actually doing something productive by worrying about something. Be, well, okay, so let me start over again with her quote. I went off on my own. When we worry, it can feel like a productive action because the concerns are being kept at the front of the mind. In fact, worry is a form of avoidance. When we worry about something, we typically imagine the worst case outcome, which is usually, turning the page here, not realistic. This sort of catastrophizing I've never heard that word before, can easily overwhelm us and impede our ability to engage in productive problem solving about the more likely outcomes. The end result is that we're not actually accomplishing anything other than increasing our own anxiety. Attention and memory can also become adversely affected. That's what I've that's end quote. That's what I found really, really interesting is that it sounds like what it does is it kind of pushes everything else out so that you don't have any space in your brain, your mind, whatever, to focus on the things that you should be focusing on, which is your vocabulary. It should be the things that you need to do, your memory. I'm wondering if some of that isn't, isn't some of the problems I've had. Okay, so it's interesting too because this other woman, Louisa Sylvia, PhD, who's the director of psychology at the Doughton Center for Bipolar Treatment Innovation at Massachusetts General, talks about this as well and explains that worries and random thoughts, quote, tend to bring you away from the present moment to either the past or the future. When you are not in the present moment, it can be harder to find solutions to the problem, which can lead to more worrying. So it's kind of like you go down, end quote, you, it's like you go down this never-ending hole and you just keep going down and down and down. So they're talking about how we should all try and live in the present. And 
I'm going to digress a little bit from this article to talk about living in the present and understanding that when we start dwelling on the past or we start dwelling on the future, the problem that comes up is that you have no control over the past. You can't go back and change it. You can't fix it. So it's a very frustrating thing that you're doing by having your mind be in the past when you are actually in the present. And the same thing for the future. The future never gets here. The future is always the future. And you are always in the present. And if you start worrying too much about the future or what am I going to do about this? And what am I going to do about that? And this over here and this over there. Number one, you've lost all of that time that you were in the present worrying about it. And you really haven't done anything to take care of your future. Now, if you sit down and make some kind of a plan on how you're going to do certain things in the future, that's great. You're actually accomplishing something. You're doing it in the present and you are planning it from when you're in the present. And what you have to remember with that is when you actually get into the future, don't get mad at yourself because some of the plan doesn't work. Things change as life goes on. And then at that point, you sit down and you go, okay, I'm, I need to change up my plan a little bit. I need to change what I'm focusing on. This is not necessary or important to me anymore. Take it off the plan. And by doing that, you are organizing then your thoughts, which has to do with, with what they were talking about in this article, so that you can have more space in your brain to be able to do more things, get more out of life, and accomplish much more with your time. One of the things that they talk about, going back to the article, is that anything this interesting is quote from Dr. Ishikawa, who says that any strategy that helps us look at the present moment with curiosity, non-judgment, and realistic thought can help to reduce worry. That makes so much sense if you think about it. There are also, they talk a little bit also in here about pondering and spending some time to ponder and that that sort of thing, the pondering is what a lot of the time takes us away from what we should be thinking about or doing. And their advice, um, Dr. Sylvia's advice is to actually set aside specific worry time or pondering time. And then what you do is you select 10 to 15 minutes 
this is from her, a quote from her, several times a day that are set aside to just worry. She says, this could be when commuting to work, standing in line, or while in the bathroom. The key is to tell yourself not to worry until 2 p.m. or until your next scheduled worry time. Often people find that they need less scheduled worry times over the day as they start to become bored with their worries during these times. I love this idea. It is. It makes so much sense because we worry randomly and and so we don't really do anything with what we're worrying about. <coughs> and what ends up happening is that we spend so much time going in and out of worry that it takes up more and more of the space in our brain, more and more of the time in, the, in our day. And we spend more time, again, worrying about the past and worrying about the future. So this way, if you actually plan it, plan the times, do your worrying. Okay, time's up, back to life. Let's get on with it. I, I really, this is, this is just such an incredible idea. I love it. I got to start doing it. What they both end up talking about as well in this article is that doing something like um, meditation, relaxation, um, mindfulness strategies are really good for you because they engage the parasympathetic nervous system as well as the relaxation response and quiets the fight or flight response. All of these things together allow you to have calmer emotions and clearer thinking, um, which makes a lot of sense. Excuse, the, excuse my pun here, but um, if you think about it, the other thing that it can do is it's another way of what they call cognitive restructuring, which is that you go and you look at something, a particular thought, and you reframe it, change it around a little bit so that it's more accurate and it's actually more realistic. And again, the more you do that, you can reduce the amount of time that you're spending, dare I say, wasting in worry. And you can be more proactive in the rest of your day and in the projects that you're working on, the people that you're interacting with for your family, your friends, yourself. They talk about um, mindfulness um, in using a guided meditation, all of these kinds of things I've also, I've mentioned and talked about in previous podcasts, but they had a couple of interesting ones that they had here. Sucking on a very spicy or sweet candy can bring your thoughts back from wherever they are and focused on the candy and what you're doing also playing an instrument, exercising like running or walking or yoga or something like 
you know, Tai Chi, all of those kinds of things. Um, walking is interesting because unless you're walking fast, you can, if you're just sauntering, your mind will tend to run off on its own again. Um, and so that probably isn't too great to do as a mindfulness meditation, but that depends on how difficult it is for you to walk. Um, let's see. So what else do they have in here that's interesting? Um, they also point out that the value of organizing your thoughts and asking other people to help you with whatever plan, to sit down, make a plan, and then ask other people to give you their input on it, that the value of that can't be overstated. Um, they say that a lot of problems and other thing plans and other concerns that you think need your attention probably aren't and they don't really need your attention and you're really worrying for no good reason but that's never stopped any of us that's why it helps to talk to other people about it because then they're going to look at it and they're go what are you crazy why are you worrying about that when the world is falling apart which brings us to the situation right now which is why I am talking about this today. And that is that we have the coronavirus going on and the world is like slowly shutting down, but we're not. And it also, it's not like it's a really, really strong serious issue. I'm not trying to minimize it. All I'm trying to say is that it's not like there's poison in the air or that we are under attack from people with nuclear weapons. It's a virus. We're all used to the flu. The flu used to be just as bad, if not worse, when it first came out. Now we have vaccines. So we've got this first part of the whole, um, what do we call it? The evolution, I guess, of a new virus coming out to all of us that we need to learn how to deal with it. We need to learn how to contain it. We need to learn how to minimize it. And it's not going to happen in the next week and a half. And it's probably not going to happen for another six months to a year. They're going to, they're starting on working on a vaccine. But again, we even know with the flu virus, if you get the vac vaccinated against the flu, it doesn't guarantee you won't get it. It just guarantees that you won't get a real serious case. And for those of us that are over 50, there's um, 
a certain amount of extra worry, particularly for people who are over 65. Although if you're in a good health and over 65, you probably should be okay, even if you do end up getting the virus. Um, interestingly, it seems that if, if when people do get the virus and then get over it, they then have all the antibodies to stop themselves from ever having, stopping their body from ever having to deal with it again. Um, which is kind of interesting because obviously the flu isn't like that. We all gotten that more than one time. <clears throat> so that's one of the, the differences with the coronavirus. All I'm trying to say with this and with today's podcast is that worrying about it, getting upset about it, what you're doing by doing that is you are making yourself physically weaker. And you want to make yourself physically stronger so that either you won't get the virus or if you do, it won't be as serious. And you can best do that by not worrying about it, by following what the CDC and our state and local and federal governments are telling us. And I will say that I am not a doctor, that this is not medical advice, but I think there's some really good information in this article and in some of the other information that I talked about to lower your level of worry because that is going to be best for you and your family. So I hope that this has helped a lot of people and I wish you all good luck. I wish me and my family good luck. We're going to get through this. We're going to be okay. I will look forward to talking to all of you next week on a happier subject, I hope. But this subject actually works and is applicable for when we have an emergency like this, but also just in normal day-to-day life. So take it to heart, think about it, and see if you can lower your level of worrying. Thanks. Talk to you next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit healthytipsafter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.